Welcome to the podcast, Life Lessons from Travels Off the Beaten Path. Hi, my name is Justine Murray, and I'm also known as Lighter Step Justine, as we strive to step lightly across the earth and only leave footprints. This podcast is about the life lessons I've learned as a traveler, particularly when I decided to step off the beaten path. Mostly this occurred in the non-digital era when there was no internet or mobile phones. My sometimes bizarre and always unforgettable adventures around the globe, often as a solo woman traveller, gave me great insight into living a fulfilled life, blessed with all my senses, to enjoy the wonders the world has to offer. From wildlife encounters, to midnight crashes, to dodging stalkers and trekking with tribes, to travelling with a child and around work commitments. I will entertain you with my stories and what each adventure has taught me, along with some general travel and life wisdom along the way. I also will be bringing in other travellers who can captivate us with their own travel stories and the life lessons they have learned. So tune in to me each week and let's get entertained with travel. Okay, this episode I'm going to talk about my trip to the Maasai Mara Game Reserve in Kenya. Uh, And this is the last time I spent time with the others that were on the overland truck. They went south and uh, I ended up staying in Kenya. Uh, That's because uh, I wasn't going to pay for the trip again. And if you want to know that story, just listen to the earlier episodes and where I discussed that story. Uh, So... Anyway, uh, the way we found a safari company was when you're in Nairobi, uh, I'm not sure, I don't know if it happens now, but uh, on one of the main streets uh, where all the travel consultants are, if you just walk along, you get hassled all the time by lads on the street uh, trying to sell you safaris. And so they're touts and they all get a very small commission if they can get uh, tourists into the shop. And if they purchase the a safari, then they get uh, even more money. But, the, you know, it's not much money. Anyway, uh, so one of the, one of the touts uh, took us into a shop and uh, we chose a safari package i think it was um uh four days three nights in the Maasai Mara. so it takes a day to drive out to the Maasai Mara and a day back so basically it was like two days in um in the park uh our accommodation was uh, we there's all sorts of levels of accommodation from the basic to the very luxurious uh and we chose the basic which is just um, tents, really, uh, but they're permanent tents. And they were, it was considering that we have been living in very, very, very basic tents, they were luxurious. Um, you know, they had actual proper beds and they had, uh, you know, a, an ensuite, your own toilet and shower. Uh, it may have only been cold water, but it didn't matter. And uh, they were, it, it was wonderful. Anyway, so. We um, we 
drove out there in a, a minivan and that was our transport for uh, the whole of the trip. Uh, so the minivan basically had a roof that opened, that pushed up and so you could actually stand up and look out and um, and view the wildlife that way. Uh, so we arrived at Masai Mara and then we spent two full days driving around. Uh, this At this time it was April and it was um, uh, the rainy season, the short rains. And so it was very, very green. The grass was very long and all the animals were very fat. Now, what surprised me is because if you look, watch the documentaries, they show all the wildebeest leaving and uh, going across the Mara River and then um, into Tanzania. And then they, when the rains come, they come back. But they didn't, don't mention that there's actually quite a few that don't do the migration and stay uh, in the Masai Mara section in Kenya. And so um, uh, we saw quite a lot of animals. And because it was the sort of the rainy season, uh, we actually, there wasn't that many other cars out. So we pretty much had a lot of places to ourselves when we'd pull up. And uh, we see we, our driver was very good uh, and he would you know, go searching for the animals and he'd just drive. He, they did. They don't stay on the roads. They just go, they see an animal, they'll go bush till they get right up close to it, which was really good as far as taking photos and all that, but it was a, um, not the greatest for the animals. Now, I remember we came across uh, lions quite freak, frequently uh, and I think we, uh, in those two days we came across four different groups uh, and the first one was uh, some lionesses with um, a whole heap of babies, of little cubs. And the driver saw them and went racing to them. And basically, they were walking from from A to B, say, and, um, they, and he went and actually parked right in the middle of their path. So the lionesses and the cubs had to go around the car, and even the, some of the cubs went under the car. That's how, that's how close we were. And the, you know, the lionesses sort of just looked at us, um, and it was, it was very exciting. But even at that time, I thought it was a bit. Uh, it was a bit much to actually interrupt them, to actually park right in front, right in the, in the way of their path. So they had to change their behaviour to avoid us. Uh, and this went on for both days, but um, we saw quite a lot of animals. So... As I said, we saw four groups of lions. That was the, the cubs. The, uh, and the, so there probably was at least 20 cubs. It was a lot of cubs. Uh, and so there was four lionesses, maybe five, and, and 20 cubs. So there was a lot. And, uh, and so the cubs were so small, they'd get lost in the long grass. But you, know, you could just see the lionesses with their black tips on their ears. 
we saw another group of young males and a big black maned one because one lioness was in season and the young males were trying to have a go but the obviously the king of the beasts the fully maned one the fully grown one was um was boss there and kept pushing them away uh we saw a couple a few a few four to four eating a a dead buffalo and uh, it looked like the kill was probably done the night before and they were just about finished it uh but you know during the day uh and oh we saw a couple of them sleeping under a tree oh not a couple a, a, a pride of them sleeping under the tree in the middle of the day because it was still quite hot and uh, they were under the shade. Um, you know, that's basically what lions do is they sleep most of the day like our cats and um, only do um, some behaviour you know, for a very short time in the day. And we were actually quite lucky to see a lot of the behaviour uh, and while we were there. Uh, we also saw lots of elephants, lots of baby elephants. It was good to see. Uh, the elephants were a little bit annoyed about us, but they um, they tolerated us. We saw giraffe. We saw lots of antelope. So there was impala and the heart beast. Um, there was a topi and there was a Thompson's gazelle and the common eland. We saw we saw waterbuck. Um, we saw buffalo, we saw zebras, and yeah, and there were just herds of them uh, as you drove along. So it was um, huge, big plains with a bit of uh, going up into hills with a few little rocky outcrops up on the hills and uh, green as the eye can see. It was stunning countryside. Um, you saw buffalo, if you heard of buffalo. Uh, some of the birds we saw were vultures and um, we saw a saddleback stork. That was pretty cool. Uh, and uh, we saw an... an an eagle, but I don't know what type of eagle it was. Uh, we saw a, um, and obviously there was all the, those ox peckers on the backs of the buffalo. Uh, we saw the black rhino, and we saw cheetahs. Uh, so didn't see a leopard, unfortunately. Um, to warthogs and spotted hyenas, quite a few ostriches, mostly male ostriches. Uh, and um, we also went to the Mara River, which wasn't very exciting because there was no, nothing crossing it. Uh, so the time where all the excitement happens of the migration with uh, everyone crossing it, and that's really the time you don't go. So it's so packed with tourists uh, all lining the banks trying to um, take photos of the migration to the point that sometimes the animals can't even get out. 
but because this was not time, we sort of had the river to ourselves and we saw, you know, the Nile crocodile, we saw hippos, uh, lots of hippos in the river. Um, yeah, and, and the river was still running quite strong. Um, so it, was, it seemed like everywhere we – there wasn't long periods of time where we didn't find animals. It was quite – either our drive was very good and often we'd be at the we'd be at the site where the animals are and we'd be the only people there for quite a while. Then some people would turn up because they'd seen us there and they'll turn up and they will um, stay there. And then they'll go. So whereas we had a really good driver who, A, found the animals first and, B, stayed at the sites and so we were able to film quite for lengthy periods of time uh, and it, it was um, two very long days it's you know you you're in the car 12 hours of the day uh, you, you get a break at lunchtime to get out and stretch your legs and all that you know in a protective area oh and another time we actually stopped at a um Oh, there's a, a village on the outside of Masai Mara uh, for the Masai. And I was really excited about seeing this because yeah, everyone's heard and seen pictures of the Masai. And I was just like, wow, oh, I'm going to see the Masai. Uh, and so it was a, in a village, but they had all their little trinkets out, jewellery to sell. And we actually weren't allowed to go in the village. And it was such a tourist show that I was – bitterly disappointed in it that that this was it and and uh yeah it was there just for you to turn up buy some beads buy some necklaces and then see you later charlie it was it was terrible um and also you know had them asking for money so it wasn't the greatest uh, and then we get back on the on a minivan. Um, we're, we're lucky because we had most of the people that were on the overland truck were on this van, so we knew each other well. And so it was um, constant banter and and rivalry and uh, you know <laughs> arguing with each other in a fun way. Uh, so it passed the time really good. And uh, we were used to sitting in trucks and and spending long time. So we actually we didn't mind it even though it was quite hot. We didn't mind and, and because we found some great places. Uh, but, you know, if you were to go, just be warned, you're in, the, you're in the truck for a very long time. And, uh, yeah, and, and the animals are, you know, they're either they're wild, so you can't control whether they're going to be there or not. Uh, and... Uh, but it was definitely well worth the trip and A, the tick off that I've been to the Masai Mara but, uh, and to see things. I would have I liked to have seen the migration, but I'm glad I actually wasn't there because I wouldn't have liked to have seen all the tourists and to be trapped with all those cars and, and, and um, four-wheel drives there. Uh, we went budget, but budget was fine. It was it – was, had everything and it was actually for us it felt luxurious because uh, you weren't camping on a thin mat just on the ground with your very cold tent it was um you know it was permanent it was quite well established and we actually had our own toilet and showers which was uh, such a bonus uh we had a you know the lions kill the buffalo only 
half an hour from our camp. So um, uh, it was the first and last thing we saw. So it was, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, and I mean, I've got some great footage of the Maasai Mara. I mean, sometimes I got a bit excited. It had been wonderful. I had a digital camera, but this was just your normal, very old camcorder with the tape. So it's sometimes a bit jumpy, but still uh, gave me great memories and also listening to the people on the um, the the guide, the driver and the guide was you know explaining things so it was um uh, it was good to be able to still listen to that and um, and remember what he said at those particular times. Um, so National Park of Masamara is definitely worth going to. Pick your times wisely. What do you want to see? The migration, and but you'd have to put up with lots of people. Or would you rather be one of the only cars, and you ha then you have to pick a time where people aren't there? So that's generally in the rainy season, which you know it's a little bit harder because you're going to get bogged. It's a, the grass is very long, so you have a bit more trouble seeing the animals and taking photos of the animals. But the animals are very fat and lazy, and they're more likely to hang around and not really care about you. Uh, whereas if you've got it when it's dry and there's hardly any grass, the animals are gone or they're moving or they're um, much sparsely situated. Uh, I remember when I, um, I was talking to people about the visits to the safaris uh, and they went to in the national parks in Africa and either they were complaining to say the animals were staying just stood there or lay there uh, and they felt like they were in a zoo or they're complaining because the animals kept running away and they're only getting bum shots and it's like well you know you can't please everyone uh, but you really need to pick on your national park to decide what you want so Masai Mara is a bit a little bit like a zoo the animals are so used to humans they don't move as you as I told you with the driver you know actually pulling up right in front of the lions and the and the cubs so the the lions just went around them and the cubs went underneath the car uh, and so it was quite normal for them and uh, it's such a shame I think it, for a while there they tried to police it and keep the cars on the roads uh, like in other national parks but um I still think they drive everywhere it's it's not much um regulation happening in the Maasai Mara uh, and what else is there uh, when you go and visit these villages I from now on will never select yes I'll visit a village in a, on a tour because I know that's the setup it's just going to be buy our trinkets uh, for souvenirs but you're not really going to see the real thing so I always save it to when I actually go myself and go looking and finding the, the real deal rather than just this put-on version. Uh, for tourists, it's never quite the same. Um, I saw lots of animals. It's, it's you know, so many different varieties in, in uh, Maasai Mara. Uh, and even though, you know, we were just in a little minivan, with a pop-up roof, it was fine. We still were able to see the animals. We still didn't get bogged. We still uh, 
had a great time. Um, yeah, and it was good to have the last hurrah with the guys on the from the overland truck, uh, and uh, you know I had been with them for at least four months, and uh, they were going to keep going, and uh, I was this was the end of being with people and then I was going to be on my own and start traveling on my own which I was you know very excited but uh, a little bit nervous as well uh, and we'll start talking about that in the next episodes from now on uh, and I start traveling solo through Africa and and actually start to look at picking up work as well okay so I will see you at the next episode Thanks for listening. Like always, I want to leave you with a thought to consider. What is your environmental and cultural footprint when you travel? How are you showing up to the country and the culture you are showing up with to make a better interaction for all concerned? Leaving the environment as you found it, reducing your impact on local resources and cultures to come out with such a positive outlook for both the local population and environment and yourself. Okay, please follow my podcast if you're enjoying what you are hearing and share it to others so they too may be inspired. I will catch you next time.